All right, welcome to another episode of Inside the Key podcast. I'd like to introduce the host of the show, Jonathan Nosak. Jonathan, the only hi. and most important host. <laughs> host number one, the host with the most, the man of the hour. Uh, you know it, man. Host extraordinaire. Out here to win. Uh, and I'll be the co-host. I'm Jeremy Porth. Thank you for listening. It is Saturday, September 25th. We're coming up less than a month away from the start of the NBA season. There's some big news that's come up over the past couple weeks. Wanted to go over that. First big talking point, John Wall. Now, anyone listening to this who's maybe a casual NBA fan or just recently started following the NBA is probably familiar with the name John Wall, but don't really have any idea who he is or why he's significant. Uh, John Wall is a point guard, played at the Washington Wizards for several years until he got some catastrophic injury, took him out for about two years. Um, right when he was coming up on his recovery, got into some you know trouble with his team. They decided to trade him over to the Rockets. That was the big Russell Westbrook trade. Uh, John Wall for Russell Westbrook. I don't have the details in front of me, but I think it was just a one-for-one trade. Um, yep. And uh, Houston has decided to go into rebuilding mode they don't want to compete for a title right now they just want to essentially lose um which is going to get them better draft picks <laughs> and is going to set them up better for somewhere down the road so yeah john wall wants to compete he wants to win the team does not want to compete does not want to win they have mutually decided they're going to uh, find a new home for john wall um the problem with that is john wall has a massive massive contract he's making 44 million dollars this year Next year, he has a uh, player option for $47 million, which he will definitely pick up that player option. Um, that's the hard part of finding a suitor to trade is he is relatively untested since coming back from his injury. Um, not to say that he didn't look bad. He, he looked pretty darn good. Um, but he's, he's making a lot of money for someone who has a lot of question marks. Jonathan, where do you think would be a good spot for John Wall to go and and who do you think is even in the market for that expensive of a point guard? I don't think anyone's in the market for that expensive of a point guard, but I think some teams may desperately need a point guard. Um, you know, the artist formerly known as John Wall, we don't really know what he's going to look like when he finally shows up again in the NBA, but um, a few teams that I think may actually benefit from getting John Wall. I, I, and you know, I'm throwing things out there. I might be going crazy. You know, it's been a weird <laughs> week. So I'm going to say my team that I think should actually target John Wall that may not be thinking about it is the Dallas Mavericks. Interesting. I think they could do with having John Wall and Luca in a point guard, shooting guard type of situation. Mm -hmm. um, Porzingis has a giant contract and he doesn't want to win um, he's made that very clear by how he plays on the court so <laughs> if Dallas and Houston can come to some agreement over Porzingis, Porzingis is not good enough as we saw with the Knicks to win on his own he needs other players and Houston doesn't have other basketball players they just have schmucks like me off of the street so well, the, the one is a team that could actually. 
the the one asset Houston does have is uh, Christian Wood, who's a, a a big man, power forward, center. Um, and I'd have to think Houston would be hesitant to take Porzingis for the fact that they'd have two big men and nothing else going on out outside of the key. Um, so I, I would wonder if um, if you're right, if there would be a three team trade where um, Dallas would get John Wall. Porzingis might go to some other third team and that third team would send something of value to Houston. Yeah, Dallas needs to be shopping Porzingis right now. Um, but we can get into that. I, I think another team that may benefit from, uh, from John wall is a team like, um, the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. I think Ben Simmons has made it very clear that he, hates everybody but himself (laughs) and doesn't enjoy being a teammate. And if Houston's looking to lose, that's a great way to destroy locker room chemistry. So bringing Ben Simmons onto the team over in Houston would be great. And he can't shoot. He's forgotten how to shoot the basketball. So, um, you know, basketball, one of the essential foundations of basketball is shooting the ball. So, I think I think John Wall would be good in Philadelphia as well. I think you know he still has some athleticism. Um, he's not what he's not the player he used to be, but I think Philadelphia could really benefit from having someone of his athletic uh, ability on the team. A lot of their guys are stand in the key type of guys, and having a slasher coming up with the basketball is going to pull some guys out of the out of the uh, backcourt to start defending the perimeter a little more. Yeah, and it'd be really beneficial for Philly has a couple great catch and shoot perimeter players with uh, Seth Curry and Danny Green, which I, I believe they're they're both still on the team this year. I think their contracts are still going. Um, so to have a slashing point guard like that, the, the best case scenario is having some some catch and shoot um, deep players. Yeah, I, I think Philly would be a great choice. Um, I uh, hadn't considered Dallas, but I have to think you're right. I think someone who's a high quality ball handler to, to compliment, uh, Luca would, would be really great. Um, now you brought up Ben Simmons. That's another point I really wanted to go over Ben Simmons and, uh, Philadelphia can not come to an agreement right now. Um, and I'm not just talking about the team of the Philadelphia 76ers, but it, it's the entire city. Um, Ben Simmons in the playoffs last year, deep in the playoffs, had one of the worst playoff performances you could ever imagine. Um, the team wasn't happy. The city wasn't happy. Um, all the Philly fans want to see him go. Um, and it, it, it apparently is mutual. Ben Simmons wants to go too. He's told the team that, uh, he demands a trade. And he will not show up to any team activities whatsoever until the trade is done and he'll show up with his new team. He won't go to media day. He won't do interviews. He won't go to training camp. He won't go to practices. He won't go to games. Um, and uh, the, my understanding is that means he can incur uh, penalties where he won't actually receive any of his pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, it's going to be a game of chicken. Um, is he going to eventually need a paycheck and is he going to cave and show up to, to start playing? Or is the team going to say, you know what, he's locking up a max contract slot of making 
somewhere north of 30 million a year, we got to move him. We, we got to trade him. Now, his trade value has never been lower than it is right now. Yeah. So they're not going to get what they think they're going to get for him. So on one hand, you think, well, hold on to him. Let his, you know, let him play a little bit. Let his trade value go back up. But that's not going to be an option. He's already said he's not going to play. So at this point, they kind of are just going to have to settle for what they can get. So same question we had about John Wall. What do you think they're looking at for Ben Simmons? What do you think they can get? Um, well, let, let's let's break it down into two parts. What do you think Philly is expecting that they're they're going to get? What are they looking at? Um, what are their wants and needs? And then what do you think is practical? What do you think they're actually going to be able to get for him? Sure. Uh, I think I think that's a good two-part question because you're right. Philly is probably a little disconnected from reality right now. I think if they were realistic, they would have tried to work it out with Ben Simmons. You've got to keep your players happy. This is a player-driven league at this point. And if you can't keep your players happy, they're going to put it out there. Social media exists. There's hundreds of ways for people to exp- express how unhappy they are. And that's going to communicate to other GMs and other teams it's going to be cheap to get this guy because he's not going to play for you. Um, I think Philly would probably want someone like a Kimball Walker. And, and he I just don't think signed, the Knicks are, yeah, he just signed a new contract too. So he's not even eligible to be traded until sometime in December, I think at the earliest. Yeah. But I, I'm saying, I think they'll target a player like that or even a Damian Lillard. They may, they may think I can get a Damian Lillard. I, th- <laughs> I think we talked about this last time. I think Portland needs to trade CJ McCollum. And I think the trade value is low enough on Ben Simmons right now that if Portland could package CJ with some draft picks and package CJ with maybe another player, I think they could get Ben Simmons. And I think they could play Ben Simmons in the position he probably wants to play which is power forward. I don't think Ben Simmons wants to be a point guard. And I think that's why he's never developed his shooting. Yeah. That's been a big flaw with his game is he's a guard who can't shoot outside. And, you know, if if your, if your skills in other areas are good enough, you can sometimes get away with it. Um, But, you know, deep in the fourth teams are, are playing, you know, hack-a-shack with, with Ben Simmons yeah. and it, it's yep. become a problem because he, he can't make free throws. He can't shoot. Um, when the pressure's on, he can't perform and you just, you watch him and he, he just gets so mentally fried from it. He just starts to shut down and his entire game and all aspects are to shut down. His, his defense is sharp, but that's only going to take you so far. If you need to, you need to be able to shoot. Yeah. Um, and I agree. A place yep. like Portland, um, you know, if his attitude can be put aside and he can just just play and be a contributor, then I think he could be great for Portland. Um, some more defense is what they need, and uh, it would fix Philly's problem of needing a really sharp point guard. CJ yep. is more of a true point guard than a shooting guard, yes. uh, and and that would be really a fantastic spot for him. They're they're Philly's fine on defense they have great defense all over so cj lacking a little bit on the defensive end isn't going to be a problem because it's of course everybody should be pulling their weight on defense and i I think cj could do that if he's surrounded by a defensive-minded team like philly i I think it's a very mutually beneficial trade um any other spots you think ben simmons might look good Uh, 
I don't I just don't see Philadelphia getting offers from other teams that they're going to be attracted to. Maybe someone like a LeBron James will come in and convince the Lakers to put something together, but I think LeBron's built the team he wants. And I I think this is a bad move by Ben Simmons because I don't think I don't think this kind of attitude on the flip side is going to attract other teams GMs to him. I, I don't see him going anywhere unless someone like Kyrie gets traded and retires. Brooklyn may be interested in a Ben Simmons if Kyrie says, hey, guys, I'm not getting vaccinated. Brooklyn may say, well, we're not going to let you sit out half the season for something like this. We're going to trade you. You can retire, and we're going to get Ben Simmons. And Philadelphia may just ask for a 1,000 draft picks, which Brooklyn has been <laughs> clear that they're willing to get rid of. So. And, and with the LeBron James topic, um, I don't believe contract-wise it would be possible for the Lakers to acquire Ben Simmons in a trade unless they gave up either Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, or Anthony Davis. And I don't believe any of those are going to happen. Right. So um, the only yeah. way it would happen is if Ben Simmons agreed to a contract buyout and signed a minimum deal with the Lakers. And I think that's the furthest thing yep. from what's going to happen. I think he would rather sit there and take – uh, not not a penny from the team for his contract for the entire season before he would agree to a buyout yep. and a minimum contract. Um, yeah. Now on that uh, topic, you mentioned of uh, of Kyrie Irving refusing to vaccinate. Now the backstory on that is there's two jurisdictions that cover NBA uh, arenas where local jurisdiction says all home team players have to be vaccinated against COVID in order to play in the home, uh, mm-hmm. in the home games. That's the, the New York teams, which is the Knicks and the Nets and then, uh, San Francisco. So the golden state warriors. So all home players are required to be vaccinated. Traveling players do not have to. So if, if, uh, the Portland trailblazers are playing an away game in uh, golden state and there's unvaccinated players on the blazers roster, they can still play home players though for the warriors would not be able to play or show up at all um a couple key names that have come up obviously kyrie irving point guard for the brooklyn nets and uh with the golden state warriors andrew wiggins is also an unvaccinated player um the breakdown of how that's going to pan out every team has 82 games in a season 41 are home 41 are away Uh, that means if you allow these unvaccinated players to stay on the roster they're going to miss 41 games minimum. That's a big loss. Yep. Um, you know, we can dive yep. into really quick what you think would be a, a potential option for for Brooklyn trading Kyrie or for Golden State trading Andrew Wiggins. I know we talked a little bit about Wiggins in the last episode, but uh, just, just briefly touch on where you think might be a, a, a good spot for those players. I think Wiggins will go anywhere where he's not required to be vaccinated. Um, And I don't have a high opinion of Wiggins, so I'd rather hear your opinion on him. But Kyrie Irving has been very clear about not wanting to play basketball forever, caring more about spending time with his family and not wanting to destroy the body he's, he's been given um, early and, and ending up like a lot of these players do in their older age where it's clear that they've put a lot onto their bodies um i think if he trades he said he would retire immediately he's destroyed his own trade value as well so maybe they can come 
to some sort of agreement where Kyrie maybe takes a pay cut because you're not playing a guy $34 million a year to not show up for half your games, especially not home games. Well, and, so, and that would require right. re- renegotiating a contract, and Kyrie is not going to be willing to do that. So it would come down to whatever the terms of the contract are. If the lack of playing 41 games is going to right away slash his contract or, or slash his, uh, his paychecks, then that's just something that's already built in and is already going to happen. Um, so it, it's going to depend on what the details of his contract are, and, and I don't I don't have that information. Yeah, I, I don't know. Obviously, we don't know the insides of that either. I, I just don't see... I don't see Brooklyn being okay with this. They want to win. Kevin Durant wants to win. James Harden wants to win. And Kyrie is not so important to this team that they can't just decide, see you later, buddy. We'll trade you for a first-round draft pick. And maybe a team will take a risk and see if Kyrie is just bluffing. You know, there are teams out there with not much to lose. Here's a hypothetical. What would you think? And, uh, you know, this is just coming to me. I haven't looked at the numbers. I don't know how far off they would be from each other. But what would you think if uh, Andrew Wiggins could be packaged together with maybe a couple other smaller contracts um, in a swap for uh, for John Wall? How do you think that might work? John Wall and Steph Curry could both handle the point guard duties. Um, you know, John Wall is the slashing point guard can kick it out to Steph who could be open on the perimeter potentially. Um, you, you always have a all-star level point guard on the court at all times. When Steph needs to rest, John Wall stays on as the point guard, vice versa. Um, what would you think of that? I'd be fine with that. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if the Warriors are going to want to do that. I think the Warriors are going to want to get somebody who I think they're going to want to find a, a big guy. I think they're fine with Steph. Clay's coming back. I think they like who they have in their, their younger younger players that they've drafted in that arena as well. And I think they want to see what those guys can give them. I, I don't think they're going to be targeting someone like a John Wall. I think Wiggins is probably going to end up uh, in a dumpster somewhere. But if if Golden State could pull that <laughs> off, if they if they could get Wiggins for John Wall, I mean, as a fan of Golden State, I think that would be pretty sweet. I like John Wall. I just wish he would stay healthy. The contracts are a bit off. I think Andrew Wiggins is making just above thirty mil a year, while John Wall's at about forty four mil. So, in order to match those contracts or, or come closer, Golden State would have to package together somebody else along with it. Um, and uh, it's not going to be Steph, Clay, Draymond. Um, it's not going to be Wiseman. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know who else they have that they could possibly offer up in that trade. It would, it, it could potentially be maybe you know just two other uh, minimum contract yeah. one year deals j- just for the sake of making the move. Um, I think okay. I think they'd have to package some draft picks with that too because you said as you said Houston's trying to rebuild. So I mm-hmm. you know is that too much for John Wall when you already have someone like Steph. I don't know. You know, the Warriors have shown that they're very crafty and can make good moves from the GM side. So we'll see what happens. Okay. Um, let's move on to the last topic I wanted to go over. I want to get perspective before the episode started. We both came up with our lists of, um, who, who's our top three teams 
in the Western Conference, top three teams in the Eastern Conference right now as we go into the start of the season. And then a separate list of who's our top three in the West, top three in the East as we enter the the playoffs. Can we kind of forecast ahead what what it's going to look like at that time? Um, obviously, there's going to be trades. There's going to be injuries. It's a little bit hard to forecast. But based on what we're seeing right now, what do you think teams are looking like to start the season? What are teams going to look like going into the playoffs? So I'll let you list your top three first. Who are your top three in the Western Conference right now? Right now, Western Conference. Um, I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns are still a great team. Um, I think they've all they needed to do was keep their team together, and they've done a good job of doing that. Um, I think the Utah Jazz are going to be a great regular season team because I think Donovan Mitchell has that same thing that Devin Booker has, which is the no quit gene, um, where other teams may rest their players. And like I sit on the bench and they're aging. Donovan Mitchell wants to go hundred percent every night. So that's, that's why Utah was on the top last year. And that's why Donovan Mitchell wasn't in the playoffs. So uh, I, I just, I see Utah being one of those top three teams in the West for the regular season. And I see Dallas being a top three team in the West. I, I think Luca has become as, as much as he can sometimes come across as a little bit whiny i think luke has become one of the best players in the nba um and especially if they trade porzingis for for some good value i would foresee dallas being one of the top three teams in the west what about you yeah my top three teams in the west right now i said the los angeles lakers i think they built such a stacked roster it's it's gonna be very difficult to compete with that uh, I think the Phoenix Suns, I think they have so much momentum right now. All they've done is improve their roster. Um, and then third team is the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they they brought in Jeff Green to help uh, improve their big man presence that was already pretty stacked. You know, midway through the year last year, they got Aaron Gordon, and that seemed to be mutually beneficial. He signed a contract extension. Now they're going to have him going into the start of the season with some chemistry already built. I think Denver... Already scary last year. I think they're going to be even more scary this year. The one factor I don't know is when Jamal Murray is expected to come back. Um, by the end of the season, they'll no doubt be stronger than they are at the beginning. But I still wouldn't be surprised if they come on strong and are a uh, top three team uh, beginning of the year. Now, let's go over to your top three teams in the Eastern Conference starting the year. Brooklyn is going to be one of my top three teams in the East. The difference Kyrie is going to make for this team is whether they're number one or number three when the year ends. I, I don't think he's important enough, and I think they have so many weapons it doesn't matter. Um, I I also at the Bucks you can't disregard last year's champs. That team is crazy good, and Antetokounmpo is only going to keep getting better. Uh, he's a hard worker. He believes yeah. in his ability to be the best player in the NBA and in the world. And he's probably right. And uh, my last team would be the Atlanta Hawks. I love Trey, Trey Young. I love John Collins. I love that roster they're putting together. And Atlanta always has a very strong chemistry, which is important for regular season games, not letting the last loss get you down or blaming somebody for the loss. I think they will be a strong regular season. Yeah, I have the exact same set of three teams for my East right now. Um, 
that Atlanta team definitely surprised me in the playoffs last year. Um, I knew they were a good quality team. I did not expect them to play as well or go as deep as they did. It's really surprising, and they didn't really make any big changes. I, I think that they have to be starting this year just as strong and with all that same team chemistry going, and I would be very shocked if they don't start the season very strong as one of yep. the top three teams in the East. All right, let's go to your predictions for the top three teams in the Western Conference when the regular season comes to a close. doesn't have to be in any particular order, but who do you think are going to be the top three teams top, going into the playoffs? Top three teams Western going into Conference. the playoffs. I see I see the Lakers being one of the top teams heading into the playoffs. Like you said, they built the stack roster. My only concerns with them during the regular season is they're going to sit guys if they need rest. LeBron is old. And we just have to say it for an NBA team. He's not Tom Brady. This is not a sport where you can sit in the pocket and <laughs> throw a football. And I mean, we've seen it. Unfortunately, LeBron James eats gluten every Taco Tuesday. So um, if that's the secret to Brady's success, LeBron James has not captured it, nor does he want to. But I think in the playoffs, something in LeBron comes alive. Beast mode, king mode activates, and he is unstoppable. Um, I would say the Suns are going to be one of the top teams. I, as long as they can keep Chris Paul healthy, I think that's that's just Devin Booker's only getting better. So I'm excited to see them play. And uh, my other one would be the Pelicans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the Pelicans. Yeah. No, it's going to be the Jazz. Um, for the same reason I said before, Donovan Mitchell is a no quit machine. So as long as he's healthy. It's gonna, it's it's gonna be hard to stop them. My top three teams going into the playoffs in the Western Conference. I said uh, also the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I say Denver Nuggets still. I'm keep, I'm keeping them on the list, and uh, I substituted out Phoenix Suns for Golden State Warriors. Mm. I think that team is going to be so darn good once they get their groove going. Um, Clay is going to be coming back probably to start the season. He will probably be ready for the season opener. Um, but still on a minutes restriction. He won't be full capacity yet, yeah. maybe you know, 10, 15 minutes a night. Um, so th- they won't start out full power like they could. And we got to figure out this Andrew Wiggins situation because unless he chooses to get vaccinated, they're either going to be down a player for half their games, uh, a player who would otherwise probably be in their starting lineup, especially using the, 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 um, the blow of not having Clay at, at full minutes yet. Um, but the other option is if they do end up trading him, um, they're going to bring in somebody brand new who needs to learn the offense and get acclimated to the team chemistry and and get everything figured out. And that's just, you know, even, even the best of them, it's going to take a little bit to get fully acclimated and get up to speed. So while the warriors may not start the season in the top three in the West, I have very high expectations that they're going to finish the season top three in the West. I'd, I'd be a little disappointed if they don't. Yeah, I, I I think those are some good picks for sure. Um, we can move into the East now. Our our playoff teams. Uh, who who do you feel is going to be one of the the top three strongest teams heading into the playoffs in the Eastern Conference? Well, I'm gonna keep the Nets and the Bucks. I I think odds are they're gonna be the one and two teams. Uh, I don't I don't know which order. It's a lot's going to hinge on what happens with Kyrie uh, and if there's any big trades that happen there. 
but uh, Nets and Bucks, I think, are going to be the top two. The the third one, I think, is going to be the Miami Heat, and they have brought in Kyle Lowry, which I think is a great move as their starting point guard. There's just going to be a little bit of a swing trying to get him up, you know, like I mentioned before with uh, with the Warriors making a possible trade. There's going to be a little bit of time it's going to take for him to get things figured out with the team. Um, they've also got Victor Oladipo, who has really been struggling a lot with injuries. He's expected to maybe be back sometime around Christmas. So he's going to miss the first roughly two months of the season. He's going to come in late, going to be on a minutes restriction. But once it comes time to go into the playoffs, um, I I believe he'll probably be in a starting lineup. It's probably going to be uh, Lowry and Oladipo as the guards. Jimmy Butler and uh, PJ Tucker will probably mm-hmm. be the starting forwards. And uh, Bam Adebayo is going to be the starting center, of course. That's going to give you some great options coming off the bench, like uh, um, Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson. And I, I think that team is going to be so darn stacked. If their record doesn't show them as the top three team in the East, then I think that their performance is just going to escalate. They may come into the playoffs as maybe mm-hmm. the fifth seed, but they'll move into the you know second or third round. And uh, I, I think that they'll be playing like a top three team, even if the record doesn't show that. Yeah, I I would agree with you. Definitely Brooklyn, uh, the Nets, one of the best teams in the NBA. The Bucks, probably the best team in the NBA as it stands right now. Um, I like the Hawks in the playoffs. I think that chemistry is going to carry through. I think it matters. I I just I think Miami is definitely a team that could be there. You're you're probably right, but. Um, just to give some some differentiation here, I'll go with the Hawks. And I'll give you a sneaky pick. Watch out for New York Knicks in the East. I I think mm-hmm. if they can get it together, I don't think they're going to be as – I think they could be good. I think they could run, make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, they made a severe improvement to their roster, bringing in Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier – uh, of, of course, they've still got um, R.J. Barrett. They've got Julius Randle. They've got Mitchell Robinson. They have a great team put yep, together. Yep. Derek Rose off the bench. They, um, yeah, what were they the number? I think they were the number four seed yep. going into the playoffs last year. Um, and while I don't expect that personally out of them again this year, uh, they will absolutely be a playoff team. They'll be. Um, probably a top six team for sure. I, I don't expect number four, but they'll they'll be a. I just say with them, six. never underestimate underestimate the power of desperation. These guys are desperate <laughs> to win anything. All right. Well, I think that wraps up this episode of Inside the Key. Jonathan, do you have any keys to watch for the upcoming weeks as we come closer to the start of the regular season? Yeah. What, what think, are your keys uh, to watch? I think we've talked about a lot of them today, but obviously the big one for me is going to be what happens with Ben Simmons. I think I think that's going to put a monumental shift, especially if he switches from east to west or he changes divisions. I still think Ben Simmons can affect a roster enough to be to, to be the difference between someone going to the playoffs and someone not. So I would really watch out for that. Um, I'm excited to see what these GMs do with these uh, these players the next couple of weeks, how they how they work their GM magic. All right. Awesome. That was Jonathan's key to watch. 
as we come up on the regular season. Again, this is Jeremy Porth and uh, hosting with Jonathan Nosak. Thank you for listening to Inside the Key, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.